Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 15th, 2019, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, just when you thought the NBA offseason was slowing down, I do have to react to another major move in the NBA. Now, this move was made late last week, after I recorded the second podcast of the week. As you know, the move is Russell Westbrook traded to the Houston Rockets. The move was reported by Woj on Thursday night. It was finalized on Friday, so I do have some thoughts on that. And I have some thoughts on the Red Sox. Oh boy, the Boston Red Sox. A tough finish to their three-game series with the Dodgers at Fenway this past weekend. I will tell you what is next for them, or what I think is next for them as the Red Sox struggled in the final two games of that three-game set. And I will close out the show with a couple wrestling thoughts, as I sometimes have when something big happens in the world of pro wrestling. And something big happened on Sunday night. All of it today presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P. I see, and the British Open is this weekend. It begins Thursday morning, and all you need to do is pick six golfers. That's it, just six golfers. And, uh, you know, you got a cap. You got a certain amount of money that uh, you you cannot spend over that, that cap, but you just pick six guys. It's easy. It's literally the easiest thing that you can do on the DraftKings app, so download that app today. Sign up using my promo code PICPIC. Pick six golfers for the British Open contest this weekend, and you can get a free game when you sign up with my promo code and make your first deposit with PIC as the promo code. Again, DraftKings.com or the DraftKings app, promo code PICPIC. Welcome to the show on this Monday, July 15th. Uh, I did open Thursday. Last Thursday, I opened the show saying that we're going to begin with NFL because there's nothing to talk about in the NBA today. The NBA has dominated the news cycle really for the last couple months, even going back to the playoffs. But then you had the offseason and free agency, and it's been nuts. We've had signings, we've had trades, we've had major players changing teams left and right. And when I opened Thursday's show, there was really nothing to react to, so I reacted to Rob Gronkowski reportedly playing catch with Tom Brady and participating in a workout in Los Angeles with Tom Brady last week. And Gronk actually confirmed that workout with Brady. And I told you that this is just another sign that Rob Gronkowski is going to play for the Patriots this coming season. It's, it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. When is Gronk going to return? Not if he's going to return. He's going to return. He already misses football. That's what I told you that workout, at, what it meant to me, at least. And um, I opened Thursday's show with that. And then later Thursday night, later that night at about 8.30, 9 o'clock Eastern time, Woj broke the news on Twitter that Russell Westbrook was being traded to the Houston Rockets. Now, last Monday, I told you about the Westbrook rumors because obviously I reacted to the whole Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, you know, Kawhi Leonard signs with the Clippers and... They were able to get a trade for Paul George, Oklahoma City trading Paul George to the Clippers. 
And, you know, Oklahoma City got a, what did they get? Five first round picks or something? Something nuts. Along with a couple of players. So uh, when you saw that trade, the next question was, well, what's going to happen with Westbrook? And the ensuing report was that Westbrook was meeting with the front office with Oklahoma City, was meeting with the GM, and they were looking to get something done sooner rather than later. And that move that they were looking to get done was trading Russell Westbrook. Westbrook on a huge contract that he signed before last season. It's the Supermax. And he's got, what, four years left on that deal. So you got to find a team that has the room. You also, I, I just thought that because of the contract and because Westbrook, if he's going to be traded and he's in talking to the GM before the trade, you know he's going to want to go to a contender, right? So I just thought to make something like that work, it was going to have to be a three-team deal. I actually said, I think it's going to be Houston. So I got that right. What I got wrong was that it wasn't a three-team deal. It was just, you know, straight-up blockbuster between Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets. Uh, Russell Westbrook goes to Houston. As you know, Chris Paul and two protected first-round picks, along with two pick swaps, go to Oklahoma City. And now it's, well, what's going to happen with Chris Paul? Is he just going to, is he going to stay in Oklahoma City? Or is he going to get bought out and sign with another team? Sign with the contending team. The report is that he could sign with the Lakers. But Rondo was also bad-mouthing Chris Paul before. They got maybe a little beef there. Is that going to work out? Where is Chris Paul going to end up? So we still, there could be some major NBA news that breaks by the time you listen to this that I won't get to react to until Thursday's podcast. But, um... You know, the Westbrook thing broke Thursday night. I did not get to react to it, so I'll quickly open the show with it now. I think it's a great move for Houston. It's obviously a move that Oklahoma City had to do once you get rid of Paul George. I think you commit. Once you get rid of Paul George, if you're Oklahoma City, you commit to just selling. And if you're going to commit to selling, you might as well commit to selling Westbrook. I do think they're going to buy out Chris Paul. I don't think he's going to stay there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul goes to the Lakers. I really wouldn't. And um, even with that bad blood that I just told you about with what Rondo has said and, and some issues that they've had on the court playing against each other in, in recent memory. But um, I think it's a great move for Houston. You know, you could tell the odds in Vegas. Houston Rockets, their odds to for a championship next season increased. Uh, they got better. from They went from 10-1 to 1 to 7-1. And right now, Houston is that they have the fourth best odds behind the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, and then you got the Rockets. So the Clippers are the favorite, plus 350 to win the NBA championship. As of right now, the Lakers have the second best odds, plus 450. And then it's Milwaukee, plus 500. And then what I told you, Houston's odds going from 10 to 1 to 7 to 1. So you, you, you reunite Westbrook with James Harden. You get rid of Chris Paul. There was the rumor that Chris Paul was not getting along with James Harden. And uh, I don't even know that this trade confirms that. I, I know people want to say it confirms that. I just think that if you're Houston, you see Westbrook's available. You have to take a step back and say, what has Chris Paul done for us? Whether there's a beef with him and Harden or not. Are we a better team with Westbrook? Then we are Chris Paul. Because, you know, we'll have to move Chris Paul to make this deal happen financially, right? With the way the salary cap swaps need to work in the NBA. Like, well, this is the move we're going to have to make. 
And also, if we're bringing this player in, you know, from a roster perspective and a fit on the court perspective, you know, Chris Paul's going to have to go. I, I don't know that trading Chris Paul for Westbrook confirms the beef that Chris Paul had with James Harden. I think, for the most part, it just confirms that Houston believes they're a better team with Westbrook, and I believe Houston's a better team with Westbrook. So I think they made the right move there. I do. I'm, I think they made the, the right move. What has Chris Paul ever done in the NBA? I, I think Chris Paul, for the most part, has been very overrated. I do. I think he's been very overrated, and I'm not just saying that now because the sexy thing to do is to look at Houston, see their odds to win a championship increase. I'm not just saying that because I, I've been saying this for a long time. Chris Paul has been overrated for a long time. And, you know, he's a, look, he's an all-star player. I'm not saying he isn't. But sometimes I think we put all-star players in the NBA on a pedestal to the point where they either become untouchable or they become somebody that they're not. And I think Chris Paul became somebody that he, that he wasn't in the eyes of a lot of NBA people. And so to that, I say he's overrated. So if you're Houston, great move. Great move. Forget about the beef with anybody on that team. Fact of the matter is, you're adding a guy that has averaged a triple-double in the last two or three seasons in a row. And you know how impressive that is? I don't think LeBron James has ever done it in a single season. (laughs) If my eyes are correct, when I'm looking at LeBron James' stats, um... But Westbrook is a special player. Some people say, well, there aren't enough balls to go around for Westbrook and James Harden. And they played together before in Oklahoma City. What did they do then? Well, I mean, that was a long time ago. Westbrook has obviously come into his own since then. James Harden has come into his own since then. And I think this could be something special for Houston. The question is, do they want to play any type of defense? Any type of defense? Because with D'Antoni running the show, we know that they don't. And and also the West is just stacked, right? The West is just stacked. And I still think that people are overlooking Golden State. Golden State right now, you want to put a bet in? The Warriors are plus 1,400 to win next year's NBA championship. I know they don't have Kevin Durant. I know that Klay Thompson's going to be out most of the season. They do have D'Angelo Russell. They still have Steph Curry. You still have a couple other pieces on that team that I, I, I think are going to play large enough roles like a Draymond Green where they are going to be able to keep that ship afloat. And that's all they really have to do until Klay Thompson gets back. And I think he's going to be back. He's not out for the whole season. You know, Durant, I know Durant went to Brooklyn, but I'm, I'm not, so I'm not saying that Durant's in Golden State. I know he's gone. But just comparing the two injuries, Durant's out for the season. I don't think Klay Thompson is. Um, but anyway, Durant's not even with Golden State, so what does that matter? But Clay Thompson, my point is, I think he's going to return. People are overlooking Golden State. The 76ers have better odds than Golden State to win the championship. 76 is a plus 800. They're behind Houston. And then it's Golden State at plus 1,400. Golden State is the same odds as Utah. Utah's plus 1,400. Utah's a good team. But are they Golden State good, even without Thompson, even without Durant? Steph Curry is still a special player, and sometimes I think people forget about it. So, uh, the West is stacked, is my point. And Houston, though, they did get better. They did. They made a nice move. And now the question is, where's Chris Paul going to end up? Because I don't think he's going to play next season in Oklahoma City. I don't. I really don't. Maybe that news breaks by the time you even listen to the show. But 
Chris Paul, I think, will probably get bought out. Could he end up with the Lakers? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the Lakers have been on the record trying to trade for him before. Uh, Chris Paul was with the Clippers. You know, they didn't do anything there. They underachieved with that group. You know, before then it was, what, New Orleans? Um, But, I mean, uh, you know, Chris Paul, if he's looking for that championship... I, I think he probably would want to get bought out and and probably go to the Lakers unless he looks at a team in the East. Unless he's looking at a team in the East saying, man, I could pick a team and have a pretty easy road to the finals, a much easier road to the finals in the East than I did in the, than I do in the West, even if I join a powerhouse like the Lakers. Even, even, if, I, even if I go back to the Clippers. Um... So we'll see what happens with Chris Paul. I, I'm not. I don't know that I can predict predict the team that he's going to go to, but I just I will predict my prediction on Chris Paul will be that he will not be playing for Oklahoma City next season. He won't. But Westbrook to Houston, it's a great move for Houston. It's a great move for Westbrook as well because I think him and James Harden are going to be quite the one quite the one two punch. It's going to be awfully tough to stop in the West in a stacked Western conference. So from basketball to baseball, as we are just a couple weeks away now from the trade deadline in Major League Baseball, and this is really the time of year that we begin to take all of our energy and focus in the sports world and put it on Major League Baseball. And when we do that, if you are up late on the East Coast on Friday night, like me, you saw a just an incredible moment in Los Angeles Friday night with the Angels on a night in which they dedicated the entire night to Tyler Skaggs, their pitcher that passed away, that they found dead in his hotel room uh, last week or the week before that, uh, recently found him dead in his hotel room at, what, 27, 28 years old? I mean, I haven't really heard much else come out about that. And and maybe there are some things that were going on that they don't want to get out to the public. I, I just I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. What I know is that it was an awful thing that happened. It was a tragedy, obviously. And the team is trying to, you know, they're trying to remember him the best way they can. And what they did on Friday night is dedicated the whole night to Tyler Skaggs. They all wore the red jerseys. With number 45 on the back, which was Tyler Skaggs' number, with his name. They all wore his name, too. Every player on the team had his name and number on the back of their jersey. Skaggs, 45. And what happened was, they pitched a no-hitter. Two separate pitches. Pitched a no-hitter. I think the starter went, did the starter go 7-plus? And then someone else came in and gave him, finished the game off? Two pitches through a no-hitter in this one. And I was not watching the game. I was watching TV. It was late. It was about, I don't know, midnight, 1230 on Friday night. And I was in, you know, I was just, I think, I think I was watching like, I think I was going back and forth for, for, on YouTube TV and, and YouTube, the app, with different type of UFO stuff. I was watching UFO documentaries. I, I watched the Bob Lazar documentary on Netflix, and then I saw him on Joe Rogan. I should I say I saw him on Joe Rogan first, then watched the Bob Lazar UFO documentary, then watched him on Rogan again. I do think you should watch it. I do think you should watch it. It's interesting. 
I, I don't know if you're into that type of stuff, those conspiracy theories with UFOs and extraterrestrial stuff. I, I would just say, watch the, if you're going to watch it, watch Rogan first. Watch Bob Lazar with, with Joe Rogan. It's long. It's like two, two and a half hours. But it's worth it. It's entertaining. You know, I, don't, I, I can't tell you if this guy's telling the truth. I'm leaning more towards he is. Just because, it, put it this way, if he's lying, if this guy Bob Lazar is lying, he is the biggest psychopath that we have ever seen. And they should probably lock him up. For being, they they should probably keep eyes on him all the time for being such a psychopath. But I was caught up in all that stuff. And, and I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'll, you know, before I call the night, I'll click over to Sports Center. I clicked over to Sports Center. And they were talking about how in LA there was a special moment. The Angels were about to, you know, do something special. And I didn't even know that this night was a night in which they were dedicating the whole game to Tyler Skaggs. I didn't know they were wearing the jerseys like this. I didn't know his mother threw out the first pitch, right? And she threw a seed, by the way. I mean, that thing must have clocked in at 85, right down the middle. And so this whole night was for Tyler Skaggs. And on SportsCenter, they're like, well, we are going to take the live look into this game because they're doing something special. They're throwing a no-hitter through uh, through seven Oh, what's that? Nope, through eight innings. So we're going to go live to that game in the ninth inning as they try to close out a no-hitter, a team no-hitter. Not not one guy, but multiple pitches. So they had two pitches. They threw the no-hitter. So I, I stayed up. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this. This, you know, this is interesting. They're going to do the live looking, uh, and, I'm, and I'm watching it, and you're just seeing all the jerseys with 45 and Skaggs in the back, and you're like, this is just, this is incredible. Like, like, you know, there's just so many things you cannot explain in this world. So many things you cannot explain. And this is right up there with him. You have a young pitcher who passes away unexpectedly. And you dedicate a night to him where everybody's wearing his jersey, the name on his jersey. Mother throws out the first pitch. And you throw a no-hitter. They throw a no-hitter. And after the game... In another incredible moment, the entire team, they take off the jerseys. They're celebrating at, at, at the pitcher's mound. They take off the jerseys, and they lay them all down on the pitcher's mound. And they're all just standing around looking down. And, you know, it's, it's an emo- it was an emotional moment. But it's one of those things, like, it's so emotional. And so, like, you can't explain it, what, what, what just happened, right? Like, you, you can sense that, like, Tyler Skaggs was in the ballpark that night. And it's just something like you, you, you know, it's like a, like, wow, this is surreal. This is surreal. What's going on. And I can only, like, I I can't even, like, what was going through the minds of those players as they stood there looking down at all those jerseys that they wore that night to remember this kid and all the jerseys laid out in the pitcher's mound and, and to know that they just threw a no hitter. Like it was nothing. (laughs) Right? Two pitches just went out and no hitter. And um, it's just it was an incredible scene. I, I can't do the scene justice. You could go on YouTube, watch it, and and watch the end there. But um, man, there are just some things that it's just so mysterious in this world. Things you cannot explain, and that that's one of them, right? That's one of those moments. You're like, wow, wow, like you can't believe it. You can't believe it. And um, 
Like I said, an incredible scene. I don't do it justice. Make sure you go watch it. But I watched that on Friday night. And I watched that on Friday night after I watched the Red Sox and the Dodgers play the first of their three-game series at Fenway. There was a buzz at Fenway. Now, this is I'm, I'm guessing this was the, the most buzzworthy series of the year to this point at Fenway. Had to have been, right? Had to have been. I'm trying to think of another one that, that had more buzz to it. I don't think there was. There were a lot of Dodgers fans in town. A lot of Dodgers fans at Fenway, especially last night on Sunday Night Baseball. A lot of Dodgers fans at Fenway. And they were kind of celebrating their win last night on Sunday night as if that was, I don't know, Game 6 of the World Series. Well, they didn't get a Game 6 because they didn't win a game at home against the Red Sox in the World Series. So Dodgers fans, they're traveling. But, I mean, you know, congratulations on your win in July a season after you lose to the Red Sox in the World Series. So um, if you want to celebrate that, be my guest. But Friday night, the Red Sox beat the Dodgers, and they did so with Eduardo Rodriguez striking out 10 in seven innings. And you get a couple home runs from the Red Sox, and you're like, all right, here we go. Post-All-Star break portion of the schedule is you get you get off to the right foot. You get off on the right foot. You know, get off with a big win. And, um... Let's go. You know, let's roll. Because now you got Sale and you got Price. You got Sale on Saturday night on Fox on primetime. And you got you got David Price on Sunday night baseball on ESPN. So you get the win. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think you could say for the most part, has been their most consistently good starting pitcher this season. Ten strikeouts in seven innings on Friday. He, but then you watch Sale and Price and you're like, wow, Eduardo Rodriguez, is he the only guy on this pitching staff that can actually get you seven innings in a start? Is he? Because it seems like it. Because Chris Sale on Saturday night was no good. Or at least not anywhere close to where the Red Sox are asking him to be at this stage of the season. Especially having just signed the big contract. And David Price on Sunday night has a brutal first inning. You could blame him maybe on an error if you want. But Price still needs to get out of that inning. You can't walk the leadoff hitter. You know, then you did have an error. Um... But still, you know, then you, you then there's uh, you, you get the, the home run. You got to prevent the home run. I mean, you're going to blame that on the error? Come on, get the out. Get the out. Don't let it the home run. So three-run home run early. And on Sunday night, you know, but first, I guess, you know, Saturday was, you know, Chris Sale, all eyes on him. And when I told you in the intro, I'm going to tell you what's next for this Red Sox team. As I continue to watch Chris Sale, you know, there are moments with pitches, when you see them struggle a certain way, there are moments, and I, maybe I can't speak for everybody, but I'll, so I'll speak for myself. There are moments where I'm watching a certain guy, and I'll go, a, a DL stint is coming, right? Like, there's no way, like, whether it's just a DL stint for the purpose of just taking some time off and trying to fix whatever mechanical issues you got, or maybe there is something going on Right, Chris Sale is certainly not immune to any type of arm fatigue or or shoulder injury or, or what have you. We've seen that from him before. And, you know, the velocity was not really there. And I'm just looking at Chris Sale going, this is not the guy we know. It's just not. It's uh, he's, he, This is not the guy we know. And he's not anywhere close to, to being as good as, as he needs to be for this Red Sox team. So I'm looking at him going, He's going on the DL soon. I mean, that's just what I think is next. He's going to the DL. 
or the injured, I'm sorry, the IL, the injured list, whatever the, whatever the fuck they changed it to in Major League Baseball. Um, Chris Sale's going to the DL. He's going on the injured list. That's just, that's my opinion. I mean, I, that's what I think is probably next. And, you know, what might make that move easy is that you just acquired Andrew Kashner, starting pitcher Andrew Kashner from the Baltimore Orioles. 32 years old. He turns 33 in September. He's a big kid, six foot six, 235 pounds. I've talked about Kashner before years ago. I mean, I, I say years. I don't, I don't mean like 10 years ago. I mean like, I don't know, four or five years ago maybe when he was with San Diego and he had a couple nice seasons. You know, power pitcher, big kid. But numbers have been, numbers have been decent. I mean, this year with, with Baltimore, 17 starts. He's nine and three with a three point eight three ERA. So you, you you trade two minor leaguers and you get him from Baltimore. In a perfect world, he's your number five starter, or maybe even your number four, which which would make you know Porcello the number five. But you get what I'm saying. You add that fifth starter, and in a perfect world, when you bring back Nathan Avaldi, you're able to utilize Avaldi the way that they've said they've wanted to utilize him, which is put him in the bullpen and maybe even make him the closer. You know, something that we saw in the postseason last year in which he was dominant. But you wonder what's going to happen now with Chris Sale, especially with the acquisition of Andrew Kashner. Will they go back to using that four-man rotation and then sliding the fifth man in and, and adding a couple different guys in that fifth spot? Um, Kashner, the Kashner move makes it easier for them to function that way. I, I just look at Sale and I'm like, something's got to give. What is it? You just keep throwing him out there? And what, we're going to do this whole thing? Every press conference that he gives, he's like, I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm no good. Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we, we, we understand. It, it's your job and the organization's job to fix that. Go fix it. You need to take a little time off to fix it? Well, I mean, it's better than continuing to throw you out there and only, you know, going four or five innings, letting up five, six runs. So... I, I see a DL stint or an IL stint for Chris Sale in the very near future. That's just at least what I see. But uh, I think the Kashner acquisition is a nice pickup for the Red Sox. I certainly hope Dave Dombrowski is not telling the truth when he says they might be done. <laughs> like, that might be it for them. Uh, I think it's a typical Dombrowski move. He makes the move a little earlier than the deadline and jumps ahead of the game instead of maybe waiting and getting in, having to get in some type of bidding war with Baltimore for Andrew Kashner's services. That's not something you want to do. He's not that good. But uh, I certainly hope Dombrowski is lying when he says he's done. That could just be some type of public negotiation strategy. Perhaps he's having a conversation with a team about another pitcher. And, um, you know, perhaps he's like, eh, we're done. We, we got Kashner, we're done. And maybe that team will call him back and say, all right, we won't ask for this much. We'll just ask for this. But we really want that. And maybe you get a deal done still. I don't know. But the Red Sox, Chris Sale needs to be better. How do you make that happen? I think he's. I think they're going to put him on the injured list. And maybe there's even an announcement on that But by the time you listen to this. I don't know. But that's just where I'm seeing and envisioning this going with Chris Sale because right now it looks no good. And then Sunday night, David Price, as I told you, a tough first inning. David Price has been better than Sale this year, but still David Price, I mean, he's only gone seven innings once. You're still looking for more out of him. You're paying him 30, 31 million a year, right? 
I know we're spoiled in this town and and we're like, oh, they sale and price. They did help win the Red Sox a World Series last year. And great, they did. And and we're, we're extremely grateful for that in this town. But that doesn't mean that everything just stops. That doesn't mean that when these guys are struggling, we don't criticize anymore. We still criticize. And the criticism is going to continue to, to grow as long as sale and price are not as good as they're supposed to be. And they were not as good as they were supposed to be this weekend against the Dodgers. But, uh... Even with Price having that tough first inning on Sunday night, this was still a very winnable game for the Red Sox. You know, it was the rubber match of a three-game series, ESPN, and it gets into extra innings. You get to the 12th inning, and you walk in what turns out to be the game-winning run. Now, the Dodgers scored three runs in the 12th inning, and they win the game by three. Uh, That was... Those three runs came off Hector Velasquez, who walked in the run to put the Dodgers in, put the Dodgers up 5-4, walked in the run with bases loaded. But, I mean, look, I'm not going to blame it on Hector Velasquez. I'm not. I'm going to blame this on the Red Sox. And I'm not even really going to blame it on Price. I mean, you'd like to see him have a better first inning, get out of that in a big spot. Sunday night baseball, right? You would. But it's it was still a winnable game. The game's tied at four. I'm not even putting it on whatever happened in the 12th with regards to the Red Sox pitching. I'm going to put this on the Red Sox offense. And to an extent, the manager, Alex Cora. Big picture. In the 9th, the 10th, 11th, and the 12th innings, the Red Sox had a runner in scoring position. They did. In the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, and the 12th. Runners in scoring position. But it was the 11th inning you have Jackie Bradley Jr. What was he on in that 11th inning? He was on Jackie Bradley Jr., bottom of the 11th. He doubled. He had the double. He's on second. Hernandez is at the plate. I will never understand why he didn't bunt. I don't, and even A Rod, A Rod was all over on the broadcast, A Rod was all over the Red Sox. All over the Red Sox. You got to bunt there. You got to bunt. You bunt Bradley Jr. over to third with no outs. Excuse me, you'd have one out at that point, but there's no outs when Bradley Jr. is on second and Hernandez up. This should see, this is like, I mean, this is small ball 101. You move Jackie Bradley Jr. over to third with a bunt. This seems like simple baseball. And I know we don't see it that much in this day and age, but I mean, it's got to happen in this spot. Like, this just seems like this is the perfect time to do it. Could you imagine if John Farrell didn't lay a bunt down in that moment last night in the 11th inning, what people would be doing and saying about John Farrell? And I'm not telling you to run Alex Cora out of town. I'm not, because I'm not doing it. And I'm not running Dombrowski out of town either. I know some people like to get on Dave Dombrowski. People need to relax. All right? The Red Sox won a World Series last year. But, you know... Cora, they got to bunt. They have to bunt there. They don't. But even when they don't bunt, Jackie Bradley Jr. cannot go to third on a ball that is hit. You know, that ball needs to be behind you. It was in front of him, right? Right? I'd have to see it again. I'm pretty sure it was in front of him. Either way, it was hit right at him, and he still went to third. That's bad base running. Bad base running. So, uh, but again, you saw the fly out after that. Maybe it didn't even matter at the end of the day. What did matter is that you didn't move him over with a bunt when you had no outs and a runner on second. 
I thought that was a major issue. But overall, in the 9th, in the 10th, in the 11th, and then in the 12th, you know, you had runners in scoring position. Had a runner in scoring position, and, you know, you just couldn't get the job done. And you lose 7-4. And you lose 2-3 of from the Dodgers. And now I think when you take a step back from the series, you have Toronto come in. Cashner's going to make his debut on Tuesday night. All I, all, my attention entering this series will be, and it begins as soon as today, as the media will enter Fenway and walk into the clubhouse and they'll have the, the pregame press conference with Alex Cora. You know, questions will be about, you know, how's Sale feeling, I think, right? What, what, how, how is Chris Sale feeling? You know, should we expect any type of injury list situation with him? I, I just, I have that sense. And I'm not saying that with any inside information. That's just what my eyes see. And what I know usually happens in these spots with a guy that good not being able to bring it the way that, that we're used to seeing him bring it. Velocity down at times. And uh, I just wonder if something's going on there. Whether it's mechanical, whether there's a minor injury. Take some time off, figure it out, and then come back. It's not ideal that you even have to talk about this, but we have to talk about it because Chris Hill is not getting the job done right now, and that's a major problem for this Red Sox team. So like I said, Toronto is in town for four. Kastner is going to debut Tuesday night, so I will be watching that, and I will react to it on Thursday. I, I, I think we're going to have a special guest in studio this week. Though I've said that before, and the guest has bailed on me at the last minute, which is per usual. But I think uh, John Doomsday Howard from PFL MMA, he fought on ESPN the other night, and he knocked the guy out. Knocked the guy out. I think it was like 45 seconds in. Was it the first round? Either way, Doomsday Howard, who's actually been on my show before, I believe we're getting him in studio. He was going to come in studio today, then something happened. We might do it tomorrow, and then I'll release it at a certain point. But uh, I still, either way, I still plan on giving you another podcast this week, as I usually do two days a week, which you can get on Podcast One, the Podcast One Network. And uh, so I think the schedule for the rest of the week is kind of up in the air with with regards to what day I'm going to be recording. Maybe I'll record two more shows. I'll give it a Thursday show like I usually do. That depends on when Doomsday Howard is actually going to come in, if he's going to come in. So I'm going to work on that. Follow me on Twitter. I'll keep you updated. At Danny Picard. I was on Twitter this morning, and I tweeted something else. I tweeted something out about wrestling. As you know, I'm a wrestling fan. Every once in a while, when there's a big story in the wrestling world, I will dive into that a little bit. And I'm going to close out the show with some wrestling thoughts because I think there's a big wrestling story. And what I tweeted about today was what happened at WWE Extreme Rules, the pay-per-view Extreme Rules, which was held last night. And this is a spoiler, by the way. If you didn't watch it, then you might want to hit stop or hit pause and then watch it and then come back to hear my reaction. So I'm just giving you the heads up. Don't blame me for spoiling something for you when I give you the, um, you know, the warning. Spoiler alert. It's coming. Here's, here's what happened last night at Extreme Rules. Brock Lesnar cashed in his money in the bank briefcase. And he won the Universal title. Brock Lesnar won the Universal title again in the WWE. And uh, he will continue to be 
a part-time champion making full-time pay. You remember him saying that on ESPN a couple of years back where he's like sitting there, you know, there were rumors that he was going back to UFC and those rumors continue to get out. And I just think those rumors at this point is just part of the storyline and the WWE leaking those rumors out. Because I don't, at this point, I don't think he's going back to UFC. If we're ever going to see Lesnar Cormier in any type of fighting situation, wrestling, ring, octagon, if we're going to see... Cormier and Lesnar in the same building, in the same spotlight, with a ding, 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 it's going to be in the WWE. Cormier's a wrestling fan. I could see Cormier in WWE. I could see Lesnar Cormier at WrestleMania. Like, I could. I think at this point, Lesnar's not going back to UFC. And anytime from here on out that you hear that he might be, that's just part of the storyline. That's just going to be a work. But Lesnar wins a championship last night, and, uh... You know, that phrase that always pops into my mind is the one I just said he made on ESPN when those UFC rumors were heating up a couple years ago. And then it was like breaking news, Brock Lesnar re-signs with WWE, and he's sitting there with Michelle Beadle, and he says, hey, how can you not love it? Um, I'm on a part-time schedule making full-time pay. Who wouldn't want to be in this position? And he's right. Everybody would want to be in that position. Right? Everybody would. Now, some fans get worked up about it. Because they think that, you know, the champ should be a fighting champ. That the belt should be in the building every Monday night or Tuesday night. um, With the new wild card rule that they have in effect. Depending on, you know, when guys show up on Raw or on SmackDown. And and they want... If they say, well, if Lesnar's going to have the title, then, you know, he should be in the building. He should be at every event. He should be a fighting champ. He should be somebody that is not going to be a part-time, on a part-time schedule. He should be on a full-time schedule, if he, especially if he's going to make full-time pay. I mean, look, I, I don't know that I feel that way, you know, because I'm, and this is just one man's opinion. Now, I was going back and forth with a couple people on Twitter this morning, and, and we disagree on some things, but I, you're going to get that in wrestling. You're going to get disagreements, and that's fine. Disagreements are fine. Disagreements are good. It's just... I, I think some of the disagreements are, can get a little crazy because, and we do that, and I've gone on this rant before. I've gone on this rant before. In the entertainment, we live in a world in which, in the entertainment industry now, whether it's TV series, movies, even pro wrestling, if things, if, if things aren't going the way people want it to go, if the storylines or the scripts don't work out or go down a certain road that the viewer or the fan wants it to go, then they call it a bad product. They say, this is bad. This is a bad script. This is a bad decision. It turn, you know, Because of that, it's a bad show. Right? And it's, everything's bad. You know, they're doing this wrong. They're wrong. Because I don't get to see what I want to see. It's wrong. It's bad. We see that a lot in the entertainment industry with wrestling, with movies, with TV shows, with everything. And, you know, it's the product of it's the product of everybody having a social media account and they get to just spew their opinion. And we all have to see people's opinions that we should never have to see. Right. We should never have to see some of these opinions, but sometimes they just get retweeted and put into our uh, into our feeds on Twitter, 
And we see all this stuff. And I think sometimes also Twitter is mistaken as the majority opinion, which it is not, and it never will be. But when it comes to pro wrestling, there are a lot of people that don't like Brock Lesnar as the champion. They don't like the Brock Lesnar Universal Championship reign. And I think for the most part, it's because they say, well, we're not getting anything out of this because we don't see him every night. We don't, he's not he's not on Raw all the time. He's on a part-time schedule. The storyline is old. It's predictable. And, you know, I'm not even necessarily saying that I disagree with these the people's reasons for, for them not wanting this, for them not liking the, the Brock Lesnar as, as champion, Brock Lesnar's championship brand. I don't know that I disagree with their reasons for it. I just think that they take those reasons, they take the not liking Brock Lesnar as champion, and they turn it into, well, because I don't like it, it's a bad product. Because I don't like it, the the people who are, are script writers for WWE, they are doing a bad job. The company is making bad business decisions. It's bad because we don't like it. You know, in my opinion, that's kind of what's wrong with the fucking world. It's like, are you going to watch next week? Okay. So you're still entertained that you're still coming back to watch. Look. To me, I'm entertained by Brock Lesnar. Whether it's whether whether it becomes predictable or it gets old and he's the champ. Even if they went on on a on a, a title run that was longer than his previous title run from here on out. I'm still entertained by Brock Lesnar. I'm still entertained by Paul Heyman. And I just think there's so much wrestling out there right now. There's too much wrestling. So I almost think it's a good thing from a business perspective, to have a champ who's not in the building all the time. To have a champ who's not at every event. Because I thought that it was better. I mean, I, I'm a nostalgic old school wrestling fan more than anything, but I thought it was better when you didn't have a pay-per-view every month. <laughs> right? Like, give me the... Let's like, go back to that. I would love to go back to that. Um... You know, you don't have in a you know pay per view three weeks, two and a half weeks after a previous one. Like it just waters it all down to me, and there's so much of it. Now you got a whole new company. You got you know you got all these different companies. Are they competing? Are they not competing? Like I, there's too much. There's too much for me. There is. I, look, I can't speak for other people. I can't. I can't speak for other wrestling fans. I, I, I don't want to make... I don't want to try to either. But I sent out a tweet today almost mocking the people that don't like the Brock Lesnar reign. Or at least, I shouldn't say the ones that don't like. I'm mocking the people that get so worked up about it that they turn their, their dislike for a Brock Lesnar title reign and they turn that into, well, because I don't like it, because me personally, I don't like it, and because there's other people that agree with me and there's a lot of people that agree with me. We take that dislike for the, for for that storyline, and we we say that oh, because of that, it's a bad product. It's bad booking. They're doing it wrong. It's bad business. I, I just I just think that's I I just think that's crazy. I do. I think it's crazy. Like, why do you always have to get what you want? How is that even fun? 
<laughs> I, I don't even know that I want, like, I don't even know when I watch pro wrestling, I don't even know that I sit there and go, I want this. I want that. Like, I don't even know that I do that that much. I'm, I'm like, you know, show me some entertain me. And I think with all the UFC stuff that Lesnar continuing to win is almost in a way, while it is predictable, it's almost in a way unpredictable because the people that hate it so much, someone like me sees that and I'm like, well, so many people hate it, then maybe they won't keep giving it to them. <laughs> and yet they keep giving him Lesnar the champion. And there's part of me deep down inside that fucking loves that. That loves it. They're almost saying to these people like, hey, you keep, like, you, you don't always get what you want. This is entertainment and we're going to kind of surprise you. With this, even though it's predictable. It's a predictable surprise. Have you ever said that? Kind of is, right? But Lesnar's the champ again. I'm just sitting here telling you I love it. I feel like I've gone on this rant like seven times during the Les- the last like three or four years with Brock Lesnar. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it. My job is not to sit here and, and worry about what other people enjoy. But I hate when people... It's fine if you don't enjoy something, but why do you got to turn that into... The wrestling world turns that into, well, we don't like something, and they turn it into, it's, that means it's a bad product. That means everything's bad. They're doing a bad job. Look, my advice to you would be, if you want them to do everything that, that, that you want or that you will like, apply for a job to be a writer at WWE. Apply to write there. I don't know. Go make it happen. <laughs> literally go get a job. I don't, I don't even know how you would begin to get that job, but, but I don't make an attempt. That's all I can say. I don't, I don't know what else to tell people. It's like, this is what they're doing. It's entertainment. It's pro wrestling. It's predetermined entertainment. Okay. They have storylines. And while you might not like this one specific storyline that happened last night, I get news for you. They have something that this storyline is going to turn into down the line that you probably don't know about. You might think you know about it, but maybe you don't. Isn't that the beauty of it? That the maybe you don't pot? To me, that's the beauty of it. It's just people get so caught up in and in, in, in what they want, they don't want, or what they like and what they don't like. I mean, if you don't like something, that means you don't want it. Right? It's and and I don't ever try to speak for anybody other than me. I, I can't do it. I can't speak for anybody other than me. Do I see the amount of people that don't like the Brock Lesnar title reign? Yeah, I see a good amount of people that don't like it. Is it majority? I don't know. How do you how do you even begin to to say how could you even say that as a fact? Did you did you hold a poll across the entire world that watches wrestling? Is that what you did? Or are you just taking what you see on Twitter and on message boards? Because if that's what you're doing, I got news for you, that's not the majority. But I mean it's just, you hear so many complaints, and I hear the complaints, and it almost makes me like the Brock Lesnar title reign more, the more I hear people complaining. And yet these same people that complain about that, they'll say, oh, AEW, Chris Jericho. It's like, if you're going to p- complain about the Lesnar thing, then what What makes the Chris Jericho surprises, and I'm putting surprises in air quotes on my fingers, Oh, Chris Jericho, he appeared in a ring attacking someone else, pulling a mask off his face. Like, that's getting old. And I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to come out and just purposely knock that. I mean, whatever. Like, I like Jericho. I think Jericho is a legend. 
And I think that anytime they use Jericho in a storyline in AEW, to me, that will be the most interesting storyline that they have. It will. It will. Jericho's that good. But what makes what he did different than... What makes what Jericho's doing different than what Lesnar did? What they're doing with Lesnar? You know, it's a veteran um, legend who continues to just do the same thing. Right? Um... I, you know, I, I don't mean to make this a knock on AEW. I kind of went that way on Twitter. I, I guess I was just trying to explain, and maybe I did a poor job on Twitter explaining it, it so I'll, I'll do it here. I, I just think that me personally as a wrestling fan, I find more enjoyment in a Brock Lesnar title reign than anything that they're doing in AEW. Anything. AEW, for me, it's tough to watch. It is. It's tough to watch. I, I, my own personal opinion. Not based on what anyone else thinks. Not based on what anyone's told me. I, I, know, I, know, I know really minimal about that company. I know nothing about it. Here's what I do know, though. What I, what I do know is that it was created by a handful of superstars, of wrestlers. And that handful of superstars and wrestlers that created that company, very openly, publicly created that company, by the way, that's that company's... That's their biggest, re- those are their biggest wrestlers. Those are their biggest superstars. Those are the, the main eventers. The guys that they're building the top storylines around. And I think because their top superstars were all so, so openly involved in the public creation of this company, it just makes some of the storylines a little awkward. And like, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, there's just, uh, I think because, like, I don't think they had to come out and say all of those guys were were involved in the creation. The way they should have done it, I think, is just said that Tony Khan started it and they signed Cody, they signed the Bucks, you know, they signed Jericho. Instead, it was like, hey, we're getting together, we're creating this company, we're changing the world. Well, now that they got the company and they have to put storylines together, it's like, well... I, I, it's just, to me, I don't know, to me, it's just unwatchable. I don't, I'm not, whether I'm not connecting with the storylines or, or, or maybe I'm doing a bad job following it. I don't know what it is. My point of the tweets was, I just, I find the Brock Lesnar title reign, regardless of how long that reign is, regardless of how it happens or where it is or what title it is. I just find the Brock Lesnar stuff more entertaining than anything else that's out there. I do. I enjoy it. Am I wrong for enjoying it? I don't know. Sue me, I guess. I I enjoy it. I like it. What I hate is when people tell me I'm the only one that likes it. Because I think that's just... That's wrong. I think that's wrong. And, um... Eh. People hate to hate. You know, they, they need something to complain about. Especially in pro wrestling. That's what I've learned recently, right? Having a, a weekly pro wrestling show and, and opening my eyes to more, you know, things around a pro wrestling. I'm just like, oh, man. Can we fucking just enjoy it? Right? Like, can I just watch it without having to even get into any type of, like, behind-the-scenes booking stuff? Like, all right, so I didn't like something. (laughs) So what? We move on to the next show. We move on to the next week. Let's see what they do with it. (laughs) Like, there's none of that anymore. It's a little too in-depth. Everyone takes the next step, and they start saying, well, you don't like something. You know, the company sucks, and, and the booking sucks, and people should lose their jobs, and... Blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Let me enjoy it. 
Let me enjoy something. They don't let you enjoy anything in 2019. They don't. They don't. They don't let you enjoy shit. I'm trying to take my life and enjoy stuff. I'm trying, man. Trying. It's tough in 2019. They won't let you do it. <laughs> I am gonna, I'm going to enjoy the Brock Lesnar title reign again. And if he loses it and then he wins it again, I'll enjoy the next Brock Lesnar title reign. And there's nothing you can do to stop me from enjoying it. Nothing. There's no tweets you can send me. There's no gifs or gifs or memes or whatever the fuck you want to send. There's nothing you can do to make me stop enjoying a Brock Lesnar title reign. Nothing. And I hope this one lasts forever. And I hope people on Twitter keep crying and complaining and calling for people's jobs and wanting new bookers and new shows and new events and new champions and they don't get what they want. And I hope they keep crying. <laughs> that's what it comes out of. That's what I want. But uh, not even I would get what I want with that because, you know, at some point, every title reign does come to an end. And um, I don't know. Maybe they'll do something creative with it. Maybe they won't. I just, I'm a Brock Lesnar fan, and that's that. That's what it comes down to. Thanks for joining me today. Get the show whenever you want on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Also, as you know, on the Podcast One Network. Subscribe to me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Like I said, John Doomsday Howard, I believe, in studio at some point this week. If he's not, the show goes on, and I do my show anyway, so I will be back on Thursday either way. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Talk to you soon.